you know, every four years, I kind of find myself in the same position I'm in right now. I kind of have mixed emotions because every four years, we find ourselves in the political season that we're in right now. And if you think about it, I, I have mixed feelings because it's an opportunity for us to watch God move. It really is. He very naturally moves in a supernatural way when he chooses who leads our country. The Bible says that God lifts up and God pulls down. Jesus stood before Pilate and said, you would have no authority over me if my Father in heaven didn't give you that authority. So we get to see God's hand move in a very natural way. And we forget sometimes that he is moving and he's moving supernaturally. That's the good side. The bad side is the worst in people come out every four years during the campaigns. And I'm not just talking about the politicians. I'm talking about everybody. You know, we live in a culture of offense. People are so easily offended these days. And then you start talking about political ideologies and political parties, and and it's like it's offense on steroids. It used to be if you disagreed with somebody, you could have a discussion with them. Or they would listen to you. Nowadays, if you disagree with someone, not only do they want to silence you, they want to destroy you. They really do. They want to take you out of the out of the, the discussion altogether. And so, unfortunately, that attitude of offense has filtered into the church. And it's really been there a long time. Anybody who's been in church for any length of time, I literally have seen people in my church for 20 years and then got offended because somebody didn't say hi to them and they left and were to be seen no more. So easily offended. And the question is, it's decision time. Are we going to be offended easily? Are we going to be just like the culture around us that is so easily offended? The Bible talks a lot about being offended. In John chapter 6, Jesus has just finished standing in front of a group of people and says, I am the only way to the Father. I'm not a way. I'm the way. And you read in John chapter 6, verse 61 says, Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. And yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. And from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Notice it was the disciples that got offended. It wasn't the Pharisees. It wasn't the unbelievers among them. It was the disciples among them. People who professed a faith in Jesus. The the church of the early first century. And it wasn't talking about the 12 necessarily because he turned to the 12 and he said, are you going to go with them? And Peter, good old foot and mouth Peter, he always was saying the wrong thing. This time he got it right. Lord, where else would we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. The Bible says that Jesus is a stumbling block and a rock of offense. Not just to the heathen, but to the heathen still in us. 
And it, there is a heathen still in all of us. Even after we cross that line of faith and become Christians. I believe Jesus today is still asking us, his disciples, that question. Does this offend you? So like I said, today I want to talk about being offended. Offended at God. And later we'll look at being offended at people. You know what the Greek word for offend is? Good, because that would ruin my whole message. <laughs> the Greek word for offend is the word scandalon. It's where we, where we get our English word scandal from. Do you know on a mousetrap, the little piece of metal right here where you put the cheese, you know what that's called? That's called a scandalon. And the idea is that when you're tempted to be offended, without knowing it, it's a trap. And if you become offended, when you take the bait, you're the one that's caught. You're the one that is ensnared. The opportunity for offense is in reality a trap, and you are the one that take the bait. Now, most of you are sitting here thinking one of two things. You're thinking, well, I'm not offended. Even though everybody knows we all get offended, and everybody knows you're offended when you're offended, and you think nobody notices. You go, me? Am I offended? No, you might be offended. I'm not offended. Everybody else could be offended, but not me. I'm not offended. That's the first thing people think. The second thing people think is, so what? Why is that a big deal? Why is it a big deal that I'm offended? When you're offended, you're in danger. If you buy the lie of our culture today that everybody can be so easily offended, you're constantly in danger. Solomon said it's to a man's honor to overlook an offense. Jesus said offenses will come, but blessed is the one who is not offended. He said don't take the bait or you'll be trapped. And Jesus didn't come to trap people. He came to set trapped people free. The moment we choose to be offended and reach for the bait, we become ensnared and we are trapped in anger or hatred, bitterness or resentment, unforgiveness, misery. Offense brings out the fruit of the flesh, not the fruit of the spirit. Have you ever seen anybody offended display love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? Not one time. So I'm going to look at some instances today in Scripture where people got offended, and I want us to see if we can see ourselves in any of these stories, because I found myself in every one of them at times. And you're going to be surprised at who got offended. The first one I want to talk about is John the Baptist. John was a great man. I mean, he was a great man. He was named by God long before he was ever born. His birth was foretold to his parents by an angel. The Bible says he was anointed and filled with the Holy Spirit while he was still in his mother's womb. He was a prophet. After 400 years of silence of the Old Testament, along comes the prophet John the Baptist. He was the one that identified Jesus at the Jordan River as the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He's the one that baptized the Savior of the world. John was admired and respected by all of Israel. People that were devout, people that weren't devout, everybody knew who he was and everybody admired him. 
One day, John finds himself in prison. And everybody is shocked, and his followers are devastated. His reputation is destroyed. His ministry is dying. All of his followers are scattered and leaving him behind. But John's not worried. John knows who his cousin Jesus is. He knows what Jesus can do. He's sure that Jesus is going to rescue him. And as he lays there in that prison waiting day after day, Jesus doesn't visit him. He doesn't send anybody to see him. He doesn't send him a text or an email. He doesn't give him bail money to get out. Nothing. Jesus is absolutely silent. And there's John, rotting in a prison. I thought, you know, some of us are in spiritual lockdown, and we can't get out. Some of us are locked up just like John was. We're trapped in patterns of behavior that we can't seem to stop. Maybe anger, lust, or greed. We have habits or addictions that hold us captive. We, we d- default back to attitudes and mindsets that we've always had. We're in relationships that are a trap, circumstances that we can't get out of. And if you would be honest with yourself, and if you were honest with God, you would say, God, I'm offended at the way you're ignoring me. Just like John felt in that prison. God, I've prayed and prayed and prayed. I've read the scriptures. I've done everything I know to do. I've done everything I'm supposed to do. So get me out of this situation. That's what John was thinking. That's exactly how John feels. Now remember, this is a great man. Jesus said, among men born of women, there's not risen anyone greater than John. We aren't even in John's league. Billy Graham and Mother Teresa weren't even in John's league. This is a great man. And as he finds himself getting angrier and angrier, the longer he's in that prison day after day, John decides to send Jesus a message. And he says, dear Jesus, are you the one who was to come or should we look for somebody else? Love John. John's offended. He's offended at Jesus because Jesus left him where he didn't want to be and where he thought Jesus would get him out of. So Jesus writes back. Dear John, first dear John letter. Dear John. <laughs> dear John. The blind see. The lame walk. Those with leprosy are cured. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. The good news is preached to the poor. And oh yeah, John, blessed is the man who's not offended with me. Love Jesus. And Jesus doesn't deliver John. Never did deliver him. Now, John didn't lack devotion. He didn't lack faith. There was no sin in his life. He wasn't being punished or disciplined by God. It's just that he had finished his course. He had accomplished what God put him on this earth to accomplish. So he died a martyr. He paid the martyr's price to get a martyr's crown. Hebrews 11, that great hall of faith, records many people who didn't get delivered, but it says they all died in faith. Not offended, but in faith. We believe that if we're really good, God owes us something. That if I just jump through all the hoops, if I keep all the plates spinning, if I pray and read my Bible and attend church and put money in the offering, and and I don't do all these horrible sins that I used to do, that somehow God is indebted to us, but the Bible says God is a debtor to none of us. 
John fell to one of the most common offenses. We become offended when God doesn't do what we want him to or what we expect him to. But blessed are you when you do not become offended. If you become offended, you'll put yourself in bondage and you'll find yourself becoming bitter and resentful even toward God. Disillusioned, discouraged, your faith will waver, you become angry at God, and so to punish him, you'll sin or you'll stop believing in him. Or you'll withhold something from him. You won't be obedient. You won't maintain your faith in God. You won't be devoted. You'll withhold that intimacy from God. Now, we don't do it consciously. It's just almost instinctively. But do you know how many people I've seen over the years, the tragedy would hit or God would disappoint them and they spin on their heels and they walk away and they never give another thought to God? Because they were offended by God. The Pharisees stumbled over the same offense. They wanted Jesus to judge sinners, and instead, the Bible says, Jesus became a friend of sinners. Blessed are you if you do not become offended when God doesn't do what you want him to or what you expect him to. You know who else got offended? Mary and Martha got offended. John chapter 11 tells us that Jesus' friend Lazarus got sick. And so his two sisters, Martha, she's the one that was always cooking meals Jesus never ordered, and Mary, the spiritual one, decided to send a message to Jesus. Dear Jesus, we knew you'd want to know, Lazarus, your friend, who did you many favors when you stayed with us, he's sick. Please come now and heal him so he won't die. Love, Mary and Martha. I think it was a text message, I'm sure. So what does Jesus do? He stays away for four days. He doesn't show up, no phone call, no Hallmark card, no flowers, no nothing. And it doesn't say it in the Bible, but the girls are mad. More, more uh, accurately, they're offended. So offended that when Jesus finally arrives, Mary won't even come out to greet him. After all we've done for him, When we needed him, he let us down. What kind of friend is that? They fell to another common offense. They became offended over God's delays. I wonder if God knew what was in their heart. I wonder if he knew what was in their heart. You guys think you're special because I hang out with you. So I'm about to show you your own heart. Sometimes God will offend our minds to show us our hearts. Sometimes God gives us an opportunity to become offended to see if we really are his or not. Whether we're just using him or whether we're honoring him and serving him. Blessed are you who do not become offended over God's delays. God isn't working on our time frame, on our timetable. I wish he was. It's the one thing I pray all the time that God just doesn't seem a need to answer that prayer or explain why. God, this is what I want you to do, and I want you to do it right now. And when he doesn't, then I begin to question. Try not to become offended. You know what else offends us with God? Sometimes we're offended when God doesn't treat us special. We think to ourselves, now you don't think this blatantly, because you'd have to rebuke yourself, but you think really to yourself, God's really lucky to have me. I'll bet I'm one of his favorites. You know, we we edit out our weaknesses when we self-evaluate and we focus on our strengths 
we minimize the sins in our lives as not really that bad or not as bad as other people, as if God grades on the curve. So we end up with an inaccurate perspective of who we are, our frailty, our weaknesses, our disappointments toward God, the things that we want to do and can't do, that we can't do and try to do. And like Paul said, you know, I do the things I don't want to do and I don't do the things I do want to do, a wretched man that I am. He had a perfect perspective of who he was. You know, Matthew says that while Jesus was talking to a crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. I'll bet they thought the whole meeting was going to stop. Jesus was going to stop everything. He was going to go out and talk to his mother and his brothers and his family that was waiting for him. It says he replied to him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. I wonder if they became offended. Hey, we're here. We're the family. Stop the meeting and come talk to us. They forgot that God is no respecter of persons. And that includes you and me. There's only one superstar in God's church, and guess what? It's not us. A lot of people make this mistake with eternity. They live their life just the way they want to, irrespective of what God has said. They go through life rejecting God day after day, year after year. I know Uncle Martha's the one that always cooks the cookies and brings the cakes and does all these good things. And people say, you mean God's going to reject Aunt Martha? Well, let me tell you something about Aunt Martha. Aunt Martha might be 85 years old, and for 85 years, she's ignored God. Ignored all the times he rescued her, all the blessings he gave her, all the provisions he provided for her. And yet people think that somehow God's going to make an exception for them. I think on the day of judgment, they think God's going to say, oh, all right, come in, I'll let you through the kitchen, you can come into heaven. Forget what the gospel says. A lot of people think that God's going to make an exception for them, and he doesn't. God doesn't treat people special. He's no respecter of persons. And when God doesn't treat you special, don't become offended. Sometimes we get offended when God just exposes our sin. In Matthew chapter 15, he says, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen and understand. What goes into a man's mouth does not make him unclean, but what comes out of his mouth. This is what makes him unclean. And then the disciples came to him and asked, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? They were confronted with the truth of who they were and they became offended not at the truth but at the messenger of the truth. These are the very people Jeremiah spoke about when he said, to whom can I speak and give warning? Who will listen? Their ears are closed so they cannot hear. The word of the Lord is offensive to them and they find no pleasure in it. The word of the Lord is an offense, the Bible says. People don't reject the Bible because it contradicts itself. People reject the Bible because it contradicts them. And it makes demands upon them. So God's will and God's word offend us. We hate giving up control of our lives. That's one of the reasons people don't become Christians. Because God's word exposes the parts of their lives that are wrong and need to change. The parts that they don't want to change. Another offense comes from being too familiar with God. 
Matthew 13 says, when Jesus had finished the parables, he moved on from there. Coming to his hometown, he began to teach the people in their synagogue. and They were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't this his mother's name, Mary? And aren't his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all of his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, only in his hometown and in his own house is a prophet without honor. And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. This is a a subtle offense. It's a subtle crime, if you will, in the lives of believers. God is a friend of sinners. That means he's our friend and he's our father. But he is also the awesome God of the universe, the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, the majestic ruler and creator of heaven and earth, and the one the angels have delighted to adore for eternity past. Don't lose sight of that fact, because God is our friend, a friend that sticks closer than a brother. When we become too familiar with God, we lose the reverence we should have for him. We treat him like a rich uncle, a celestial butler to go get us things. And so we expect things he never promised. We claim promises he never made. We begin to make demands of him. And when he doesn't obey us, we become offended. And if that isn't being offensively familiar with God, I don't know what is. We should love what God loves. God loves his word. God loves his will. God loves his people and God loves his church. And then sometimes we become offended when difficulties in life come our way. We fail to count the cost like Jesus told us to. We believed, maybe not openly, but somewhere deep down that fellowship with Jesus is an insurance policy in life against troubles or disappointments. But nobody gets through life unscathed. Acts says we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of heaven. We all face difficult times in life. That Jesus warned about this in the message about the sower and the seed, the parable that he shared. He said the one who receives the seed, which is the word that fell on rocky places, is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. When trouble comes, we shake our fist in God and say, how could you? I was expecting deliverance, not difficulty. And so we become offended at God. Listen, life's difficulties are times to trust God, not attack him. I remember when our daughter died. There I am in my mid-50s. Got three kids, four, seven, and nine years old. People are saying, does this shake your faith? Are you mad at God? You know, Jesus said, never will I leave you or forsake you. And I felt forsaken. So what do you do with that? You can shake your fist at God, or you can evaluate. It's decision time for me at that moment. Do I believe what I've said I believed all these years? Do I believe what I've told others to believe all these years? Now it's no longer theory. Am I going to be offended at God? And so I started looking and said, could I find God in this scenario? And I found him all through it. My daughter's in heaven. She's better off. Couldn't get her back if I begged her. 
the kids are better off because I know they're with me and my wife. And I know they're being raised in a loving Christian home. They're being fed. They could have been shipped off to some great aunt in Boston. They could have been put in the system of, of uh, CPS. They had no other family except us. But I know they're being raised in a Christian home. Nobody's beating them. Nobody's molesting them. They're better off. And as difficult as it is, I had to assume that we were better off for having them. So I found God through the whole thing. And every time I hear about somebody losing a family member, I mean, this is the truth. I I always pray the same thing. God, comfort them the way you comforted me. God, strengthen them the way you strengthened me. Carry them the way you carried me. And if I got offended, he probably still would have done all those things. But I wouldn't have noticed it. Times of difficulty are opportunities to offer God a sacrifice of praise that could never be offered during times of blessing. I don't say a lot of things worth writing down, but you might want to take note of that because I'm going to say it again. Times of difficulty are opportunities to offer God a sacrifice of praise that you could never offer God during times of blessing. It's an opportunity to show unconditional love to the one who loves unconditionally. The Bible talks about one person who didn't take the bait and become offended. It's found in Matthew 15. It's a Canaanite woman came crying out. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but basically it said, you know, my daughter's suffering terribly with demon possession, and Jesus didn't even answer her. The disciples came to Jesus and said, send her away. And she asked again, and he said, I was uh, sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. And she said, but even, even the dogs get the crumbs that are thrown off the table. Jesus said, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. She could have got offended. She could have got angry, spun on her heels and walked out. And if that would have been her her reaction, her daughter never would have been set free. But it was because she didn't become offended. There was the channel of a great blessing of God in her life and the life of her daughter. She was rewarded because she didn't get offended. Blessed are you when you do not become offended. So I want to get practical here in the last few minutes that we have. How do you avoid being offended at God? There's one simple way. I kind of wish it was complicated because you'd believe me then. Here's the way you avoid being offended at God. Surrender your life to God. Surrender. Raise the white flag over your life. That's why Jesus taught us to pray when he said, not my will, but your will be done, Father. Not my will, but your will. Your will, your way, your timing. The Bible says that if you're not a Christian, surrender and get saved. And if you are a Christian, surrender and get free. Free from offense. And then lastly, I want to say, oftentimes it's not God that we're offended at. So often it's other people. So just stick with me a few minutes. I'll wrap this up. It won't be nearly as long as being offended at God. We all all have those different things that trip our trigger. For me, it's driving. I don't really qualify as having road rage because I'm already ticked off walking to the car long before. But I know I'm going to be offended. Somebody's going to make me mad. Most of the time, our offense is with other people. 
when somebody betrays your trust. You know what the pain of betrayal is? The pain of betrayal is that betrayal can only come from a friend. Think about it. Enemies and strangers you don't trust. It's betrayal that comes from a friend. And when that happens, the, 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 the opportunity for offense is great. Or someone is rude to you. Maybe you're a waitress at, at lunch after church. Or you do something for somebody and they're ungrateful. Or somebody embarrasses you or accuses you or disappoints you. When that happens, we don't need to surrender. We need to forgive. We need to forgive. Paul told the Colossians, be kind and compassionate one to another, forgiving one another, just as in Christ God forgave you. You know, grace is the foundation of our faith. I hope you realize that. Unmerited favor given to us by God and couldn't earn it. Grace is the foundation of our faith and offense is the enemy of grace. Because once you're offended, you won't give grace. I was teaching years ago on the prodigal son. I made mention just casually, spontaneously in my message that I, we had a prodigal daughter who had run away. Some of you remember that. I didn't think anything of it. The next morning, Monday morning, there's a couple in my office there to tell me how I'm disqualified for the ministry because if a man can't govern his own home, how can he govern the church? Now, in spite of, you know, worrying your head off about where your teenage daughter is, in spite of the problems of, uh, you know, just wondering, is she safe? And now I got to deal with this. I thought I'm going to give them a, a Bible study of their life and I'm going to use a hard-covered Bible to do it. <laughs> it was decision time for me. Am I going to get sucked into an unholy war? Am I going to get offended? because I wanted to attack back with both barrels and I had the ammunition to win the fight. But I thought, I thought, you know, they're probably here being well-intended. Stupid, but well-intended. They would be wounded. Fellowship would be broken. A friendship would be destroyed. And so I chose grace over offense that time. Not most times, but at least that time. I tried to remember one time I didn't mess it up. I say, you know, that verse, first of all, is talking about new leaders who you can't look at what they've done at the church. So look at their home to see if they're qualified. I've been a pastor at this time for 25 years. I said, I am governing my home. That's why she had to run away. If she was calling the shot, she'd still be here. I also had a son you could judge me by who was the youth pastor at the time. You know, by the time I got done reasoning with them, their whole countenance changed. Their whole attitude changed. They were genuinely remorseful, and they apologized. And a friendship was saved. They continued to be serving, supporting members of our church for years to come after apologizing because I didn't get offended. James says that mercy triumphs over justice. Grace triumphs over offense. Be a grace giver. Jesus said it's bad for you if you become offended. That's why he said if your eye offends you, pluck it out. If your hand offends you, cut it off. Don't take the bait and become offended. Surrender to God if you're offended at him, and when someone else offends you, forgive them. People say, well, you know, you don't know what they did to me. Well, don't you think when God tells you to forgive somebody, God already knows that the person you're forgiving was the offender? 
that they were wrong? If you were the wrong one, they'd ask, he'd be telling them to forgive you. God knows that the other person is wrong when he tells us to forgive them. Peter got so pumped up over this principle, he asked Jesus how often we should forgive other people. Seven times? And Jesus says, seven times 70. Don't put yourself in bondage. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. If you bind yourself by being offended and unforgiving during the natural course and events of life, you will be in spiritual bondage. But if you loose yourself by forgiving others, you will be free. Free of bitterness, free of anger, free of unforgiveness, free of hatred, free of the burden and misery of the offense. Remember the story Jesus told the parable about the man who wouldn't forgive? Matthew 18. He says the servant was forgiven this great debt, and then he went out and found somebody that owed him a small debt, and he grabbed him by the throat. And he says, pay me what you owe me. And Jesus said in his anger, the master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured so that everything that he owed would be paid back. That's the guy that went out to try to get the guy that owed him a little bit after his debt had already been forgiven. And then Jesus said this, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. You know what the torture was? The bondage of unforgiveness because he was offended. That was the torture. The resentment, the bitterness, and the unforgiveness in your heart. So, just like I've talked about decision time at the beginning of this message, and decision time when we lost our daughter, and decision time when that stupid couple came and talked to me. I'm not resentful, don't. (laughs) It's also decision time for us today. Today, ask God what Job asked God to do so long ago. How many wrongs and sins have I committed? Show me my offenses and my sins. Let's pray what David the psalmist said when he said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. God has called each of us to live a life of love. Remember what Paul said? Love is not easily offended and keeps no record of wrongs. Not offended at God and not offended at other people. Solomon said, like I said, it's to a man's honor to overlook offense. If we guard ourselves from being offended, we will be able to draw closer to Jesus. We will be able to draw closer to each other. And we will be set free. When you forgive someone, you will be doing the work Jesus did on earth. Setting the captives free. And you'll discover that the captive was you. So you might have noticed when you came in here, there's packages underneath the chairs in front of you. Those are mousetraps. I know it says it on the package. It's no big surprise. But I want you to take out those. There's four in a pack. Some of you need to forgive a lot of people. But I'd like you to, I'd like you to take those home. And this is what I want you to do. On the back of that little mousetrap, I want you to write the name of somebody you need to forgive. Somebody who offended you. It could even be a circumstance that offended you. But I want you to write the name of that person on the back of that little mousetrap. And then I want you to take that mousetrap and I want you to put it on your desk at home or on the mantle of the fireplace or next to your bed. And every time you see that mousetrap, I want you to be reminded 
that being offended is a trap set for you. And I want you to be reminded to to forgive the person whose name is on the back of that trap. And I want it to be a trigger, a memory, a reminder to pray for the person that offended you. Because it's really hard to stay offended with someone who, when you're praying for them. Use the the mousetrap to remind yourself that being easily offended is a trap. And if you take the bait, you're the one that gets trapped. Okay, let's pray. Lord, how easily we are offended. How often we are offended. And God, they aren't aren't always the great big offenses. Sometimes it's those small, seemingly innocent, insignificant offenses that so often ensnare us and trap us. And I pray, God, today that you would convict our heart. I pray, Jesus, that you would make us people who are not easily offended and keep no record of wrong. I pray, God, we would be a room full of people set free by grace, the grace of God, set free because we refuse to be offended. We're willing to surrender to you and we're willing to forgive others. And remind us, God, that when we forgive someone, a captive is set free and that captive is us. In Jesus' name, amen.